I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, everyone. My name is Manny Faces. For 10 years, I covered hip-hop music and culture in and around New York City as an independent journalist and content creator. Despite the attention the mainstream music business started giving to areas outside of hip-hop's mecca, New York remained a thriving, bubbling, evolving artistic and cultural ecosystem. This includes many people and organizations who use hip-hop in incredibly innovative and inspirational ways outside of just making music and entertaining folks. In areas like education, in schools, in youth outreach and counseling, in theater, in science and technology, in politics and activism, hip-hop is a remarkable force in New York and beyond. The voices of these innovators are as important as ever, especially as corporations continue to strip away hip-hop's wider cultural voice for the sake of profits. Because these innovators know how to use the nation's dominant youth culture in an authentic manner, in ways that can help solve some of our nation's biggest problems. So we need to celebrate and support them. Because I believe that hip-hop can save America. And so this podcast was born. Thanks again for joining me as I talk to the folks who are responsibly using hip-hop music and culture to address, adjust, and in some cases, alleviate problems facing our country. Hip Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip hop culture. We're also brought to you by the award winning Newsbeat Podcast. It's hard hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. And it also incorporates hip hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast, baby. You can find Newsbeat by Maury Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bondfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show, TK in the AM, Bondfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bondfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. We're also available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Okay, on this episode, 
we return to the hip-hop education space as I talk with Dr. Andrea Hunt. Dr. Hunt developed and teaches a Sociology of Hip-Hop Culture course at the University of North Alabama. And while she's very much involved with the regional hip-hop community, what I really like about her course and her work is that she's bringing hip-hop into a school with a predominantly white student body and is in a quote-unquote red state to boot. Of course, we've seen educators using hip-hop in urban and predominantly minority settings with great success, but I was curious to hear about Dr. Hunt's experience merging hip-hop studies in this setting. And as I mentioned, Dr. Hunt also does a great job at extending her connection to hip-hop way past the walls of her classroom, using the culture and associated art forms to improve lives in the communities where it's needed most. All in all, I think you'll be as inspired as I was to hear how she's using hip-hop to inform and inspire folks from all walks of life in ways that I think can help contribute to an increase in cross-cultural understanding and help repair some of the damage that has been done to our collective social fabric. Here's my talk with Dr. Andrea Hunt. Thank you for taking the time to uh, speak to me today, bringing your perspectives uh, to the table. As many of us, I think, do, we wear several hats. How would you currently define who you are right now from a professional standpoint? Well, I'm an assistant professor of sociology at a regional institution in the South, and so a lot of my time is spent in the classroom with undergraduate students. And I teach uh, introductory sociology courses, but I also teach our sociology of hip-hop culture class, which is taught every spring, and that is a new addition to our curriculum at the university. And I also teach courses that are related to family diversity, because inequality is one of my areas of specialization. And so in addition to teaching, I also do a lot of research on diverse families, and I'm also doing research right now on how hip-hop shapes the identity development of undergraduate students and how it shapes their racialized and gendered identities. And then on top of all of that, I am uh, very involved in the community, and I work with at-risk youth. So I go out to uh, juvenile diversion programs, I go out to juvenile detention facilities, and go out to our middle and high schools and work with kids on a variety of topics from making good life choices to using poetry as an entry point into writing about feelings and how poetry connects to hip-hop. Interesting. Very fascinating and noble work. I, I'll have you know that I am the son of a distinguished professor of sociology. Oh, uh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have, uh, you know, kindred souls. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I want to kind of touch on uh, the sociology of hip-hop culture course uh, that mm-hmm. you teach. What would be your, I guess, elevator pitch to describe what that class is about? A lot of times students think that it's just about music. We're going to go in and listen to music, and that's one part of it. We listen to music every class period, but it's much more than that because hip-hop is much more than that. And so we are using hip-hop as a way to critically discuss issues in the world around us. And so we're looking at uh, race and gender and sexuality, identity, faith, capitalism, cultural appropriation, and urban policy all through the lens of hip-hop. Interesting. What were you teaching, uh, I guess, previously or otherwise, and, and what led you to develop that course? Well, I teach our sequence in inequality, so I teach our race, class, gender course, which is a course really on intersectionality, and I teach a diverse families course. And so I was already immersed in uh, the literature on inequality and race and gender and and capitalism, and I'm an avid uh, hip-hop fan since, you know, 1988, so I, I use music in my classes anyway, and I had an opportunity to develop a special topic course and I thought, wow, this is the time to do this. Some of these courses are being taught at other institutions and this is an an area to get students 
engaged in and an avenue for us just to critically discuss the things that are going on in the world around us. And it's a way to hook students uh, in these conversations. And so I had an opportunity to develop the course and I jumped right in and the university has approved it to be a course to uh, be offered every spring now. So in an article I read about your work, uh, it describes how you your class looks at song lyrics sort of as a, a form of journalism in a way, you yes. know, a method by yeah. which artists speak their perspectives or the perspectives of their communities. Uh, as an avid hip hop guy myself, I always, you know, I like to talk about the parallels of hip hop being a form of journalism in some ways, uh, particularly in the article I read, the use of Nas as America, for example. Yes. What I like about that is that it it pushes back against what is often the public narrative that, you know, the rap music does nothing more than glorify negative behaviors or celebrates materialism. How many of your students come in, you said, you know, they come in thinking it's going to be all about music. How many of the students come in thinking of hip hop in only that kind of pop culture, music genre, radio rap term, as opposed to the more complex, artistic and lifestyle driven culture that it is? Most of them come in with familiarity with what is mainstream right now. They are very familiar with trap music because that is what is getting a lot of radio airplay. And so that is their kind of range of experience oftentimes with hip hop. I do have some students that are entertainment industry students. We have a, a major here for students that are interested in going into production side of the entertainment industry. And several of them are artists themselves. And so they have a, a maybe a different perspective because they're writers. And so they are looking at other artists who are writers as well and, and trying to develop their craft. So they have a little bit of a different perspective. For the most part, though, um, students don't have as much familiarity um, with what we may think of as kind of the classics and the foundation of hip hop. And I also have been interviewing students over the last year uh, for my own personal research, looking at how hip hop shapes their sense of self how they think about themselves as young people today with racialized and gendered identities. And many of them are really familiar, once again, with some of the mainstream artists and don't know kind of the depth of, of hip hop. What's the sort of the racial makeup of, of your school or your class in, uh, generally? Well, the university is a predominantly white institution. We have about uh, 70% of our students are white. Uh, Most of my classes, since I am embedded within our hip-hop community in this area, I help with a lot of our national Pan-Hellenic Council events, and I help with kind of spoken word events on campus. Um, I'm plugged into some other communities on campus. And so because of that, um, students see my classes as a safe space to be able uh, to talk about these things. And so I often get a a much more diverse racial makeup in my courses than many of our other professors do. And so this hip hop class, I would say though, it's still a majority of the students are still white, Mm -hmm. uh, even though we do have uh, probably a larger number of African American students in the class than many other courses on campus will have. I think uh, it's, one, it's one thing I want to ask you about, because I think that a lot of times when we talk about you know hip hop ed or hip hop being used in education settings, the thought might be and for the general public and, and even for people within hip hop, uh, that this is a you know inner city thing mm-hmm. that it's, uh, you know, an African-American or, you know, that community is really where where hip hop can be integrated into the educational settings. We see great successes at this for sure. But I guess from a perspective of where you're teaching and who you're teaching, yeah, I'm curious about that. Well, uh, the first time I taught, this is the second time I've taught the course. So the first time I taught it, the course was predominantly white. 
because it was a special topics. It was, you know, just kind of word of mouth. And so the, the makeup has shifted a little bit. But one of the things that I see from those white students is their ability to interrogate uh, white privilege through music to be able to address uh, racial oppression, exploitation, systematic inequality in a way that maybe they wouldn't in other classes. And so through music, they feel that they're learning much more about social issues that different communities are dealing with in our society. And so we're using music as a way to also facilitate, you know, cross-racial interactions, to be able to discuss these kinds of issues um, in a way that is also educating students about what is going on in the world. It's interesting. There's a quote in the in that article that I, I had where uh, one of the students said, I quote, I immediately envisioned the American dream and how it's different because he's black, I guess, referring to maybe Nas, the Nas song. Yes. Can you talk about that, how analyzing the lyrics and the performances are opening up perspectives to people who maybe, again, you know, not from those communities, not really familiar with uh, the plight uh, directly? Well, we have discussed topics such as, you know, we start with the history of hip hop and then we are really kind of in this space of talking about race, social activism and how hip hop can be used in kind of educational settings. And so that's kind of where we have been um, at the first part of the semester. This week we have talked about intellectualism and black male intellectualism in particular. And so for students to be able to see these various roles within hip hop. And so we have compared and contrasted different artists. We have, you know, really kind of taken a step back from our own personal experiences for them to be able to say, you know what, other people have stories too that are legitimate sources of knowledge. You know, these artists are creative thinkers, they're critical thinkers, and through the lyrics, we're able to see that knowledge production can look a variety of different ways. And so I think for students that are not familiar with some of the the lyrics and some of the artists, this has just opened up this can of worms for them where they're hungry for more. They want to know more. They want to know other artists because it's exposing them to a different way of thinking and a different kind of critical thought about the world. Are there any specific instances or, or students or reactions that you've gotten that, you know, really stuck out to let you know that this is really making an impact in that regard? We do these uh, lyrical battles every week, and they do this online where they are integrating academic work along with the music that they're listening to. And so we're trying to bridge these different forms of knowledge. And so elevating you know, the knowledge that is coming out of music as a legitimate form of knowledge and the academic work as this accompanying form of legitimate knowledge. And so every week there's these huge epiphanies that students see. I mean, we we had talked about, you know, even white privilege and we looked at Macklemore's song and from their vantage point of thinking about as, you know, a white person coming into, you know, social movements and being an ally, what does that look like? And so for many of them, you know, it was these big light bulb moments going off, seeing his song and his video and seeing his a very critical reflection of himself in an industry that he is profiting off of. And so to profit off of this industry and be a part of this industry, then means I need to show up when uh, African-Americans are being oppressed. I need to use my voice in that platform as well, not just in an industry where I'm making money off of it. And so it has really given students the opportunity to take a step back and go, what am I doing with my life? 
Mm. You know, what am I doing um, to create kind of greater good? Right. And they all develop an individualized project. I call it the Heart and Soul Project because I firmly believe that we should not be doing work just to be doing work, that it should have personal meaning for you because education sticks with you when it has an emotional connection with you. And so they conceptualize an individualized project and it looks a variety of different ways for different people. Uh, but this is giving them some some leeway to do something that is really meaningful, that has an impact on their future, that has an impact on other people's future. And so several of the students are, are really thinking about how can we integrate this into workshops and advocacy work and these greater things that comes out of hip hop. Oh, that's awesome. We, you know, we often talk about, I have another podcast where we, uh, we use hip hop to bring social justice issues to light. So we do interviews with, you know, thought leaders and we talk about some of the uh, pressing issues of the day. And then we actually invite independent hip hop artists to uh, contribute actual lyrics uh, regarding that yeah. topic. Uh, so we've covered uh, the true origins of the drug war in America. We've talked about uh, being exonerated from prison and then coming out after you know spending decades in jail and then not receiving any compensation, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, and then what we often tell people who are listening to that podcast is it's great to know about these issues about them and say, yeah, that's horrible, but it's about the action that's, that's necessary after that. It's, you know, it's, it's taking action. Exactly. And we brought in, I've got several artists from the community that come in. And so one of the artists was featured in that news article. We're having another artist come in, Lee Murky, who is just this unbelievable lyricist, is coming in along with the artist that was featured in the news article, C4. And so the students are going to listen to their music. They're going to analyze their music. And then the artists are going to kind of annotate it to see, you know, from this audience perspective, when we interpret lyrics, what was the thought process of the artist? And so I want these guys just, you know, they get to take over. They're teaching the course. <laughs> it is. And I get to just be a student in the course. And so it's really, I think, empowering opportunity for our artists in the community as well to say, I want you to come in. I'm going to learn from you. You're going to be the professor because you are producing this knowledge and you're going to be seen as this legitimate knowledge producer and you're going to take over the class. And so giving other people some room uh, to to lead these conversations. So I'm just facilitating them. I am not the expert. Uh, I don't know everything. Um, I'm, I'm a fan as well. And so I like to be able to facilitate these conversations and bring in other people to help contribute their expertise as well. What I love about that is, and of course you referred to Nas, but I know that in the article again, you know, Chance the Rapper, some newer artists and, and, and artists that I think are, I think some of the overlooked artists when, when we talk about activism in hip hop or, or you mm-hmm. know, social justice or people who are doing that work. Yes. You know, it's often, and the media puts it out that it's often, you know, you look at the superstars and what are the superstars doing and who's giving money and who's, you know, putting their voice behind a cause. But coming from New York City area, there's so many hip hop oriented artists and activists that are on the ground, you know, doing work in the communities, bridging those gaps. There's a couple of uh, people out here passed away, a guy named Majesty and a brother named Hassan Salam. Uh, when they organized a uh, album release party, they brought in social justice organizations. They brought Cop Watch, for example, which is a, an organization that looks at police brutality, to set up a table in the album release party at Webster Hall in New York City. 
So I think that's often overlooked that the new artists, that young artists, that non-superstar artists are actually out there putting in that work and to bring them into the classroom and, and letting a, a new crop of students understand that this isn't an old school thing. This isn't just a when public enemy and, uh, you know, and, and, and Karis one were doing it, that there are artists that are concerned about these issues today. Exactly. And I uh, show some clips and tell some information about an artist out of Chicago. Her name is FM Supreme. Uh, love her so much. An amazing female MC, but she's also boots on the ground in Chicago and working on ending youth violence. She has developed mentoring programs. She's been all over the world spreading these messages of peace. And so these are artists that a lot of times our students are not familiar with. I also share a lot of information about indigenous artists and because we, we, we're we're not as familiar with artists from other backgrounds. And so a lot of students really think about this as this African-American experience, but there's also indigenous artists and First Nation artists that have been doing this work as well. And their uh, lyrics and the stories that they're telling really parallel oppression, really parallel these stories of uh, state-sanctioned violence. And so to be able to see um, these from different perspectives. And so the, the indigenous artists incorporate traditional Native American rhythms and beats and instruments and ceremonial dress in with, uh, you know, scratching and, yeah. and emceeing. And so it's this really phenomenal kind of cultural experience to be able to see. That's interesting. What, um, and that's important as well. When you started developing this course, I guess, you know, we hear often, uh, particularly with institutions or, you know, institutions of higher learning, traditional institutions that have, you know, difficulty uh, opening their, their arms to this kind of work. Um, did you have any hindrances? Did you have any problems with the institution or with anybody or were, were there any problems that you encountered trying to incorporate hip hop into your curriculum? I have not had any problems at all, and I think a part of that is really goes back to nurturing relationships and collaborations, not only with the institution that I work with, but with people in the community. Right. And so this has been uh, this this endeavor, this journey, what I call it. You know, these students are on this journey with me, and so there was a group of students who started it last semester or last spring, and they were the kind of the foundation. And we were just trying to see, is this something that would work or not? And their excitement really showed me that we need to push through with this. And so I tied this course to the overall kind of goals of our institution and said, this is going to help us meet these goals. And so not only is it going to help us meet these goals on campus, but it is a form of outreach in the community. And so I've worked really hard and really strategically with uh, key community partners to help facilitate this. And so I think you, you've got to have that buy-in mm -hmm. um, from not only students, but you have to show the institution that it is viable, that you're going to have students that come out for this, but also show the, the community that I'm not trying to stick, that I'm the, the expert here, that they are a part of this as well. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That, um, that community involvement is vital. So you're at a collegiate level. It's some, sometimes different. Uh, there have been many efforts, I guess, uh, incorporating hip hop and education at the middle and high school levels, both, yeah. both as a vehicle to teach other subjects, you know, which we've seen, again, success at, uh, as well as, you know, a field of study in of itself. Do you think that what you're doing and, the, and kind of the success you're seeing could be applied to earlier levels of education? I know that's not, you know, where you're at, but do you, do you see that this could be applied elsewhere? 
Definitely. I've worked with middle and high school youth using kind of making the parallels between poetry and hip hop. And so I think there's definitely some room in those middle and high school years to be able to do this. K through 12 teachers are much more constrained with what they have to do than we are at the collegiate level. And so it's really finding ways that you can tie this into the core competencies that you need to achieve at the K through 12 level. Um, The greatest success that I've really had um, with the middle and high school youth is being invited in to do writing sessions. And so I've worked with youth that are out at a residential facility and we did the parallels between poetry and hip-hop and we had them write and they wrote and they wrote and I told them to write from their heart nine young men got up and read their poems and some of them you know kind of had a little flow with it too which is you know even better (laughs) Uh, but nine young men that are detained got up in front of a room full of 50 other people and read words from their heart. And so this is, this is life-changing for people. Uh, this summer, I'm partnering with our local library, our Florence Public Library, and doing a workshop with teens doing something very similar. And so I'm going to bring in some local artists, and we're going to have a writing workshop to think about writing as this tool for expressing emotion, for creative thought, for critical thinking, and then do uh, you know maybe a battle, mm-hmm. a rap battle as a part of that. Nice. What do you have planned, I guess, uh, as now this is the second iteration of the course? You know, I've brought in artists. I've had other guest speakers. I've partnered with our Department of Art to help create an exhibit in their gallery space where uh, students and alumni and faculty were doing graffiti and street art. And so we've, Mm. we've been expanding into other departments, which has been phenomenal. So after this semester, I have to take a step back and go, what do I want to do for, for the next time around? And so it's, bringing more people in, including other kinds of artists, refining things more and more and more so that this continues to be an engaging experience and a timely current experience for students. Are you getting members of the community involved, not involved, but you know, are you putting on any of these things that you're doing go out to the general public, not necessarily the students or these Mm -hmm. groups, but kind of just, you know, parents or community members in general. Yes, I had a a talk by one of our Department of Art professors on the the history of graffiti and street art and its integration within the larger hip-hop culture, and this was community-wide. One of our professors in the Department of Communications did a talk on Two Live Crew and the court cases around that, and it was widely attended, and so that was open to the community. So we've got some brown bag kind of lunch discussions coming up throughout March that are open to the community. And then in April, we're doing an urban art expo that will be a part of this class, but that's a part of the larger community. Okay, that's good stuff. Listen, uh, I you've broken down everything you're doing and why it's so important. Uh, I love what you're doing. I'm so glad that uh, you were able to uh, explain some of this and, and pass along some of this uh work that you're doing. I only have one more question, I guess. The name of this podcast, in my theory, is that hip hop can save America. Now, this this may be a lofty theory, uh, mm-hmm. but in your experience, you know, can you sum up, you know, why is it so important or, or what are the best reasons to consider hip hop music and culture when looking for ways to, you know, truly improve lives and livelihoods and communities and relationships in this country? Well, I'm going to read you a little excerpt that I have on a, a 
an article that's going to be published soon. Um, it says that hip-hop is an expression of community needs, serves as a tool for social commentary, and influences the larger popular culture. This has been at the core of hip-hop since its inception. It also facilitates lifelong teaching and learning through the production of knowledge and creates writers and thinkers. Whether you are an artist or a fan, music inspires critical and creative thought about our own lives and the lives of others. This is the promise of hip hop. Okay, I'm done here. My word. <laughs> that's, it. that's you know, that's it. Well, I, I thank you again personally, obviously as a, as an advocate for you know, hip hop music and culture, and, and being someone that's uh, really looking to tell tell these stories. Again, thank you so much for your work, for your time, for your perspective, and I, I hope to uh, follow your work and, and we can stay obviously in touch. Keep this stuff going. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me on. Hip Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip hop culture. We're also brought to you by the Newsbeat Podcast, hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. It also incorporates hip hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. Find Newsbeat by More Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America with Manny Faces airs weekly Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. Hip Hop Can Save America is created and hosted by me, Manny Faces. I also produce the theme music. Special thanks to our associate producer, Summer McCoy. You can find out more about me at mannyfaces.com. And find out more about Summer's hip-hop and tech-related initiative, Hip Hop Hacks, at hiphophacks.com. Thank you for listening. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Manny Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours. 